Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to Draft Sickos on the No Sings NBA podcast feed and YouTube channel. I am Maxwell Baumbach, and this is the show where we cover everybody from the biggest names to the deepest of sleepers. And I'm joined by the real star of the show, Stephen Gillespie. Stephen, how are you today? Maxwell, I'm tired, but I'm excited to be here. I just had a big weekend over at the Overtime Elite Facilities. Yeah, you did. I watched two days worth of basketball, drove for probably 12 hours cumulatively throughout the weekend so but i'm excited man like all of that and i get to come here and record with you i'm i'm back man we're back i'm energized let's hit it for sure for sure so on this one we're gonna do part two of the top incoming freshmen this class we may kind of touch on some guys real quick at the end if you're cool with that steven uh and then i know you had a question you want to throw at the end that i felt like really had my gears turning quite a bit um So a lot of fun stuff there. We already did part one last week. So if you're like, these guys are doing top freshmen and they're not talking about Isaiah Collier and Justin Edwards, we did. Go back, check it out, give it a listen, give it a watch. Um, But we're going to do part two today. So these are guys that are a little further down boards, but not that that much further, especially in a year like Mm -hmm. this, where some of these guys, they'll be top 10 on some of these mainstream boards. And it's so fun because there's no consensus here. Some of these guys are like number five. (laughs) <laughs> on, on some people's boards so yeah this is a, a really really fun class and we're gonna kind of continue on we're gonna lead off with el marco jackson uh he is uh listed at 6'3 200 pounds uh he'll be playing at kansas next year a guy i got to see in person last year when he was playing on the under armor circuit uh and he, even then like he was built like a man like if you were going to be a traditional point guard size player you would if you to, back in the day like on every ufc pay-per-view 
that you see this this intro where Joe Rogan would say, you know, if you built a fighter in a lab to beat Anderson Silva, like they would look like this. If you built a point guard, a, you know, traditional point guard size player to survive in the modern NBA, they, they would look like a Marco Jackson. Um, yeah. I think what's really interesting with him is that he has real athleticism. Like there's burst, there's this north-south explosion, but he's still a guy that operates with pace. Like there's still um, some hesitation and, and some creativity uh, in terms of his setups, um, he is tough and strong against contact. Like he is a guy that he plagues the way his frame looks. Like he's not one of those guys where like he he's strong for no reason. Like he he knows yeah. how to attack and play physical going to the basket. I like how well he played against good competition, and he's always playing hard. Like even if there's games where I, I'm not liking some of the things that he's doing, I'm never questioning whether or not he's he's given it everything he's got. I thought he looked very comfortable pulling up in the mid-range and beyond. Uh, gets good elevation on his shot in the mid-range, which I think is really important when you're undersized. Um, and he's really confident in those pull-ups. He'll take step backs, things like that. Uh, the three-point shot is a bit of a question mark with him. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that a bit more in a second. The passing, I'm a little worried about. I think that he's mm. capable, but not consistent. I think there are times where he throws some really frustrating passes, sometimes where he'll just kind of kind of force the action a little bit too much, which is going to be a trend with a couple of these other guys too. Um, I think where the shot settles off the catch is going to matter quite a bit with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I think if you're going to be a, a point guard in the modern NBA, there needs to be that on off component. Um, the off the catch numbers have been okay, but the misses off the catch are all over the place. Like if you just look at the form on the jumper, energy transfer form, everything like that is fine, but the misses are all over the place. They're left, they're right, they're short, they're long. It, it gives me some just kind of general accuracy and touch concerns. Um, defensively, I think he's good against other guards. Uh, knows what to take away, where to force guys. Always plays hard on that side of the ball, too, like even with the bigger offensive roles. So I think there's things like there. As his lapses off the ball, kind of issues that you would expect given, uh, you know, just his age, guy, stuff all kind of guys struggle with. I'm a, I'm a little bit lower on El Marco than consensus, just because I have a hard time valuing this type of player going forward. And because of the issues that he has, if if he's not really shooting it, that's been the big thing that we've seen with these young point guards that haven't panned out is it's usually been a shooting issue. Um, and I think the decision-making has got to be super steady now too, if you're going to be a 6'3 guard. So I think it's all attainable for him. Like, I think this is all stuff that's within, you know, it's not like his flaw is something that he can't change. It's not like he's a horrible athlete yeah. or something like that. So I think it's fixable, um, but I'm more of like a, Sorry about that. Uh, I think he's more good. of a like late lotto to like 20s kind of guy. But where are you at with El Marco? I'm even lower. And again, I'm I'm going to be the the old man shaking his fist at undersized guards. You know, the, anyone who's not above that like six foot four metric. And I'm already like annoyed at myself. So I could imagine if anybody like throughout the year hears me talk about these guards and they kind of feel in a similar manner. I, I get it because I myself am frustrated at the way that uh, I'm kind of approaching these guys, right? But I feel like there are concerns that come along with being his size, right? Uh, Maxwell, you touched on a lot of the great things, right? I love his speed. I love the handle. Plays within himself. Rarely ever does he feel rushed. Uh, loves to get to the mid-range pull-up. Like, absolutely loves it. That is like his bread and butter, his favorite shot that he gets to. Hits it with regularity as well, right? Can hit on the lean, falling away straight up, you know, while uh, while taking 
that D cell pull up looks looks really good too. So all of that looks great. Um, you mentioned very capable passer. That's literally what I have in my notes. I wrote that he likes to drive, throw the over the shoulder uh, hook pass, can look his man open and hit a nice little dump pass. Turnovers come when he tries to be too saucy with the ball in his hands, right? Which you mentioned that happens a lot with with El Marco, right? Uh, things that concern me when I see a guard listed at six three, to me that's like everybody like a, a man saying that he's six foot. And he's really like five ten. Mm-hmm. Like no one wants to, no one wants to be five ten. They want to be six foot, right? So yeah. Yeah, that's I, I think you're justifiably concerned there after seeing him in person and he's young. Maybe he grew. This was, you know, a year and three months ago now, but at the time I did not think he was six foot three for what that's worth. That's, and, and I think that's fair. I mean, see, that's why we go and see guys in person, right? That's, that's a big advantage that comes with what from watching behind a computer and going to see these guys live. Uh, Maxwell, we talk all the time about how rebounding rate, is a really good indicator for a pro level, even for guards, right? Even for point guards. He was fourth on his high school team in rebounding, which is kind of concerning to me. Um, Shot only 31% from deep, um, but was just under 80% from the free throw line. So good touch indicators. Uh, Maybe the shot is coming along, but it's just an interesting kind of data point to go back and look at as we move forward. He was a negative assist turnover guy. Again, another concern if you're going to be the size that he's at. Negative forced turnovers to fouls committed guy. Another kind of concern on the defensive side of the ball, right? So I just see all these things. I'm a little bit skeptical. I love the sauce. I love the flair. I love the vision. I love the score. I love the scoring mindset. He's just going to have to kind of play up at the next level. But I, how do you feel about the Kansas commit for him? Um, I I think it's fine. Like, I don't hate it like there are some guys that it uh you know i never want to throw anybody under the bus but like some guys made school decisions for us like what what are you doing here i i can see it both ways i think on one hand because it is such a veteran laden team you know he's not going to get to play like an ideal role right away but i think what i like about it is that because they have um um veteran guards like real real veteran guards uh between nick timberlake who's going to be i believe 25 either during or shortly after the season and dewan harris um if it's not going well he can at least get a little bit of balance where it's like maybe guys can make things a little bit easier for him so i like it from that standpoint he's not going to get to show off every single thing he can do but at the same time this team is really shallow like they're like nine scholarship players on this team or something like that like it's it is not a deep team so it's going to be really hard for him to fall out of rotation like there's there's really no downside given how shallow they are so i i I think i ultimately kind of like it the more the more i talk through this i'm not worried about the depth it's like what's his role going to be on this team because i don't think that you're wanting harris to be the floor spacer off of marco so i'm kind of curious to see if Oh, Marco is going to be kind of like the de facto scoring guard on this team, which is that really what you want to kind of see from him moving forward? I I don't know. I think I would kind of see him like to play off of others a little bit. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think that the, that the school selection was pretty intriguing compared to other places. He could have, he could have committed. Spacing in general could be kind of nasty on this team. Like McCuller, KJ Adams, Dickinson will take like one or two a game. Like there's going to be very good defensively. They will be. 
They will be. Yes. Uh, as long as teams don't find ways to like isolate Hunter Dickinson. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but they can go small. Like this is a team I kind of trust to go small. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. So where is where is El Marco for you? Are you kind of more in that range where I am of like fourteen to twenty-two? Feels a lot better than Lotto, or do you have him higher? You have him lower. That um, I think lower, that's fair. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's crazy. Whoa! All right. Yeah. I. Oh, I mean, I. Yeah, again, I have guards in spots where they're going to work their way up on the board for me. I don't mm-hmm. recent draft history. I, fair, I just, yeah. I don't, I don't feel compelled to like start the year out with them being ridiculously high when they come in with all the concerns that come with guys at, at their position. Again, I know I hate myself. I know everyone is probably going to be tired of me by the <laughs> end of the draft year, but I just, I want to see guys work their way up at, at, at their position. I, yeah. I think there's something I was thinking about this to myself earlier like 30 minutes ago not that much earlier um putting guards high feels high risk moderate reward at this point like how many guys are going to be jalen brunson and jalen brunson spent four years in college so like when you're when you're putting these smaller guys really high it's like what are the odds that you draft them it goes well it goes well to a truly meaningful level and then you get a guy like a Brunson and then even then like did you accidentally move off of them too early in today's NBA where like maybe they spend the first year in the G League because they're 19 and then year two maybe they don't play that much and then maybe you throw them in a trade like there's just a lot I don't know there's a lot that can go wrong and I yeah I don't know how patient teams are going to be with these kind of guys um let's move on to the next guy because he's he's also a guard I like this guy a lot and I feel like Mm. I'm kind of going through a struggle with this guy, which we'll get to in a little bit. So Caleb Foster, who's going to be a freshman at Duke, six foot five, 200 pounds. Um, this is a school of choice I don't like. And I think yeah. I, I want to be clear. Like, I think John Shire is a fantastic coach. I think they did really well last year. I think the fact that they are retaining talent, at such a high level speaks volumes that like, they had three guys who could have maybe gone in the first round last year that all came back like the day after the season ended. And then they still got such a huge recruiting call. Like clearly, clearly guys want to play for John Shire. Like that is not just got extended. Yeah. I think, I think Caleb Foster would have been better off going to a school where he was going to get a guaranteed role. And I think he could have gotten that role at a lot of schools. Um, I think Terry's Proctor is obviously really good. I've, I get like culture shock when I listen to college basketball podcasts and these guys will talk about Jeremy Roach as if he's like a God amongst men. And I'm like, I don't see him that way, but I think he's going to play a big role on this team. And then they get another guard who we'll get to later. So a lot of guys on this team. So that's kind of my concern, but I, I, I adore his game. He sees things really quickly, capitalizes immediately and makes stuff happen. His vision on the move is, is really nice. Um, He's always under control he's very clever as a passer can dish with one hand has shake with the ball in his hands and some wiggle to get to his spots he's got some stop and go stuff like when he's at his best i feel like i'm watching like a way less athletic shake just alexander in terms of just like whoa like how did he see that and how did he get there yeah so efficiently um the shot looks nice it, it's a nice release it's quick sometimes it's a little bit low um but it looks good and, and he's hit a high percentage of them so we're dealing with a guy who's just like ultra high feel has a way to score behind the three point line in the mid range. Um, I think my concern with him is just 
the athleticism. Um, yeah. I think he's fine, like north south, and I think he's like a little shifty, but defensively, he just isn't nimble. Like he doesn't contain the ball. Part of it is I feel like he doesn't fight that hard on defense, but then part of me is also like how much of that is also like your tools. Like if you're six five or six four, even like at the lower levels, like you should still be able to contain these guys. And I, I don't think he does a great job of staying in front. Um, and then offensively, like there are times where he'll try to get to his spots and just kind of get stuck. And he doesn't have like an extra acceleration gear or something that like a Marco, like if he gets stuck, he can like kind of body his way through a guy or like yeah. find a way around him. Like Caleb Foster doesn't really have that gear. And then he also doesn't really get up well at the basket. And I'm leery of guys that, can't produce on the interior i think it's just really hard if you're gonna be a guard it'd be like that perimeter oriented but i really i like i think he can shoot i really think he knows how to create and get to spots i think the question is just like how big of a role is he gonna get and how um how much of an issue is the athleticism is the athleticism something that like it makes it hard for him to contribute in the acc or is the athleticism something where it's like he'll be okay at the nba level like I, I really want to see what he looks like on a floor against just a bunch of other high level players. Um, but I, I really like his feel for the game. Like when I watch him play, I feel like I'm constantly being outsmarted by him. And I, there's nothing I love to see more from a prospect than feeling like, wow, he was so many steps ahead of where I was. Um, but yeah, just not that efficient inside the arc, but in EYBL play 38% from three, uh, 76, Seven percent from the line like he's he's good I, I i like the shot i like the creation yeah he's um he's a very confident shooter man like very decisive it doesn't take long for him to know whether he wants to go up with the shot or if he's gonna attack right which i really love that i love as soon as you get you know these 0.5 players right like what are they going to do when they they get the ball in their hand you don't have to worry about a record scratch with him he was a 38 percent three-point shooter at team thad which was awesome to see and he was also really good at the line so no real concerns um, based on what you see on the film and based on what you see in the numbers that would suggest that he's not going to translate up as a decent shooter for Duke, right? Um, you mentioned the competition within his own team that he's going to have to kind of overcome to get significant playing mm -hmm. time. I don't know if he's highly enough regarded as a crew to say like a, a Livingston was last year, right? He didn't get a lot of play, didn't get a lot of burn, still found a way to get drafted onto a team. I don't know if Foster has that same level of pedigree, um, I think athletes typically get that type of uh, head nod if they're that regarded. And you've already touched on it. The last thing that I have in my notes on him was a question is, is he a good athlete? I don't know. He's kind of like yeah. you said, a high feel, uh, low twitch guy, which we've seen. We've seen that flame out or, or do really well. So it's going to be mm -hmm. interesting to see what he looks like at Duke. Uh, he has a little bit of shift to his game, but I don't think that he's like an omnidirectional type ball handler or anything like that. Uh, usually just one quick move. Um, appears to be contact adverse. He does not like to get touched whenever he is uh, trying to score the bucket, whether that's a obviously a jumper. No, no jump shooter wants to get touched. Um, but even when he's operating around the rim, when he's driving, he like does everything he can to like lean away um, to get the shot up, right? Um, the defense concerns me though. Uh, the numbers oddly enough suggest like a really good defender, but watching oh, really, yeah, it was really funny. Like I went back to, to synergy, shout out to the folks over at synergy. Um, I went back and saw his numbers and they were like, huh? Okay. This is, uh, 
a guy that looks like he might be able to defend a little bit. Yeah. Then I put film on, and uh, he doesn't seem to be too aggressive at the point of attack. Uh, plays the middle too much, uh, gets blown by pretty consistently. Doesn't really like to fight over screens. Plays with his hands down too often for me. Does do well in closeout, so I think that off-ball defender team concept stuff, there's a little bit to be excited about there. But I'm not – I don't think there's anything glowing to speak of right now with his, with his on-ball defense right right now. Uh, but the rebounding we were talking about on Marco, uh, Caleb's rebounding numbers were pretty solid too for his team, which is – usually a good indication of scaling up and again is he a good athlete i don't know man but uh i'm i'm even lower on him i there's a lot of concerns as far i get it i get it yeah and and again you know i i feel really good whenever we like agree on a player because i know that we kind of like see the game similar in a lot of ways but we Mm -hmm. each have like our own little things that we're looking for like our scouting intangibles are a little bit different but Hearing you say that you like Foster and me thinking like, hey, I'm not so sure. I, I feel like when we have these types of dudes, I have to go back and watch them again just to be like, I feel like I got to be messed up if Maxwell is higher on him and I'm not. I appreciate that. That's a very, very nice sentiment to hear. And we've got, a, we've got a lot of guards on this episode just because like how the way our boards kind of shook out, like we did sort of a tentative board for a project. Yeah. Um, and then this kind of the order of, of how we set this up sort of based on that. Um, so we actually have another guard up next, one of Caleb Foster's teammates, Jared McCain. So this is one I think we might be a little bit different. I, I avoided looking at your notes uh, in the file. So I am lower on McCain. I feel like everybody else is higher on McCain. And the intel on McCain is outstanding, to be completely clear. Like our guys at Summit, Hoop Summit, everything coming out of Duke is like, Jared McCain is a nasty little man. Like he is just... <laughs> Very, very tough, very competitive, and plays with a ton of fire. I think the confidence and swagger like radiates off the screen in a really yeah. positive way with him. Uh, he is listed at 6'3", 200 pounds, another guy where he feels shorter than that to me. Um, I think he can really shoot it. I think like he's a real deal shooter with range off the catch, off the dribble. Like He'll pull up from NBA. Every shot he takes, he thinks it's going in. Uh, lightning quick release offensively i think he can do some pretty interesting stuff with his dribble like he's got some some footwork to go along with that too has the interesting ways of of setting things up and getting to his spots what i really like about his passing is he does seem to limit his mistakes like to be 100 percent clear i i think he gets all turnover prone um but i love the flashes with his passing like it almost kind of reminded me of keontae george a little bit a year ago where it's like man i like in like high school tape, Keontae George, where it's like, man, sometimes I'm I'm really unhappy with these mistakes, but the things that he does well and like the highlights, it's like, oh, the, the gears are turning in there. Like this is a guy who can make some high level reads, can really sling it with both hands out of the live dribble. Um, and I think that the fact that he's able to do that just on the move, I, I do think there's a lot of upside to him is like a, a dual kind of shot maker creator. Um, I do worry about how much he's going to pressure the rim because he's another yeah. guy where I'm not like really sold on the athleticism. That's not really where he looks to go on the court. Um, I like him defensively. I do think he's small. Like the 200 pound listing also feels like, I don't know to me. He, I, I just didn't think of him as like six, three, 200. I was watching him. He felt like a small yeah. guard. Um, 
he does know where to be and he's really smart with his hands and his timing is really good. Like the strips and digs and plays like that, that he's able to make, it feels like, Oh, he saw that he did it. He got the ball. It's, it's very decisive, direct, quick. Um, I just worry about the size with him a lot. Again, I, I, I know that we're kind of being repetitive on that front, but with McCain in particular, he just doesn't, he doesn't feel long to me. And I worry that, when he's on an NBA floor, teams are going to try and, and switch and mismatch him quite a bit. And I also just worry because like in EYBL play, he was under like 47% at the rim mm-hmm. in the half court. So it's just like, he's really not going to pressure the rim. So if he's not going to pressure the rim and where a guy like Keontae George had that like bowling ball body that it's like, well, even if he doesn't get there and he's not the most vertical guy like he's gonna find ways to get there i'm not as sold on that with mccain and i don't know that he has a way of like well guys are just gonna bounce off me like keontae did to like yeah overcome that hurdle um so like the shot making has got to be really great and the passing has to actualize so i see him more as like back end first round early second but again like it's just the value proposition like it's it's moderate reward a lot of times on these guys, but because the intangible stuff is so potent, is so strong, and the reviews have been so great, maybe there's a chance that he does hit a, a higher level. Yeah, so I have him 36 on my board, so I'm not okay. like great. super yeah. duper high on him, but uh, early second round. Uh, he turns 20 in February, so another member of the, you know the the grandpa club uh, coming in. Uh, looks like Wolverine on the floor. You know, he's kind of short, stocky. I do kind of buy the 200-pound listing okay. for him just because he's like almost as wide as he is tall to me, at least at the shoulder at the shoulder level, mm-hmm. which is is pretty nice to see. You know, I want if you're gonna kind of be smaller, I want you to look like you can take the contact. Right? Um, he has nice soft touch on his floaters, very shifty. I think that he gets to his spots very well. Has some crafty finishes in traffic. Not afraid to take it to the block and mix it up. There's a few times where I kind of saw him do the, you know, the Andre Miller low post guard post up play, which uh, I would love to see that have a revival within the game of basketball. Let's just mm-hmm. let's just get some point guard versus point guard post up play again. Um, nice shooting stroke, quick release. I uh, wish the relief release point was a little bit higher, um, but the but it it goes in at a decent rate. The pump fake also closely resembles the shot, which I think is very valuable. I trust him to make the right reads, man. Um, even though the advanced the advanced passing game isn't there, he's probably not going to hit you with like the the Trey Young passing package. Uh, he he makes the right reads and gets it there pretty well. Um, I think that he can kind of struggle a little bit to thread the needle in those kind of like high risk high reward passes. But again, a very smart very smart player sees the floor pretty well. Um, he does a nice job of sliding his feet. On defense, I think he stays with his man really well. So if there are concerns on the offensive end defensively for his size, I think that he does enough to be like, okay, I can buy into this guy a little bit more for his two-way ability. Um, Does well denying his man with an easy catch away from the ball. The second effort is going to be something to monitor. Again, I think that that might be a, a, a size thing. Decent athlete, not super zoomy or poppy, um, but he's not bereft in those areas either. I feel like, um, you know, same kind of lather, rinse, repeat for the concerns that we have with guards of his size. I won't bore the readers and listeners and viewers anymore with that, but there are some things to be excited about, which is why I do kind of have him in that early second round range to where he could climb. 
So let's just real quick before we go to our first break. Okay. Those three guards that we've discussed so far, how would you rank them? I think I would go McCain, El Marco, Caleb Foster. I think we're on the same page. I am okay. right there with you. So okay. we're going to take a quick break. We've got another guard coming up after the break who is very interesting and very polarizing. Uh, we've yeah. got our first kind of forward in the mix. We've got another small guard that we can uh, have some concerns about. So it's it's going to be a fun, fun mix. These next three guys yeah. are very unique, very polarizing. So we'll be right back on the other side of the Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's say let's talk Garway Duwall because Garway is one of those guys that like I don't think has appeared on an ESPN board. I think Sam Bassini's got him like 10. So it's one of those yeah. guys like depending on who you talk to, I we we were texting him the other day. He scares me, man. Like I just think this is one of these yeah. like I feel like I'm gonna get it wrong and I don't I'm still undecided which way I'm gonna get this one wrong. But he might be the ultimate my guy in this draft. I think that the guys yeah. that are in, they're like 10 toes, 10 toes down, <laughs> you know, like wearing their lugs, dead ass. They are in on him. And then everybody else is just like, oh, I don't know, you know? So yeah. It's, uh, very polarizing indeed. So Garway's gonna be he's gonna be a Providence. He is six foot five. His wingspan is out there. People say he has a six ten wingspan. Um I that. don't know. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. It it looks like it looks like it might be longer than six ten to me. I'll buy that. Um, yeah. He is very long and he is very athletic. The the defense, I think I, I'm like not a guy who's like interested generally in prospects where it's like, well, his defense. I'm like, well, hold on. What is he gonna do off of yeah. with Garway? You almost gotta lead with the defense because I think that's what can make him really special. Um, he is an outstanding mover, got those long arms like we talked about, and has a real motor on it. Like he can make all sorts of plays, whether it's poking into a handle, getting, you know, a, a dig, going up and contesting on the perimeter and blocking a three, weak side rim protection. It's all there with Garway. Um, he's not the strongest at this point. Like, I think he's listed at, like, 190. Um, but yeah. he's a late growth spurt guy. He was playing JV basketball until, like, a year ago. Um, really, really kind of interesting developmental pathway. He gambles a little bit. I don't really care. Uh, about guys with these kind of tools that gamble at this age, it's going to get refined. And if it doesn't like, then he's just not going to play. So yeah. I, I, I tend to think guys figure that out. Um, back to the offensive side. He's really long. He's really athletic. 
Um, he is very good at getting to his spots. Like he can play really low with his dribble. His misdirection is outstanding. Like the the timing yeah. of his setups and the way that like he'll just freeze, look something off, and then attack in a direction that like his body didn't appear to be set up to go in that direction. Uh, makes him really hard to track and stay in front of and, and telegraph. Um, he has that timing and he has that pace, but like the explosion tools are absurd because he's got like these crazy long legs. He can get low, but like he's able to maximize pace better than most guys are um, and just really get those advantages. When he does get him to, gets up so easy off of one foot. He's one of those guys who when he jumps, it seems like he's just kind of floating in the air. He really hangs in the air mm-hmm. when he gets up, likes contact, has no problem going to the free throw line. The touch on his floater is pretty soft. Um, I also like that he appears to see the entire floor or is a passer. Like there are times where he will make a, a bit more of an advanced read. Um, so I think what we're looking at is plus defender, exceptional physical tools really solid understanding of like pace space manipulation how to bend a defense and the ability to finish and and get to the free throw line i have no idea if he can shoot a basketball none (laughs) none and because of like this late blooming development like with the resources we have available unfortunately there's just like not a ton i'm like this is free throw percentage this is what he shoots off the catch like we just don't have a ton of data on it um i also do think he gets like really out of control at times like he is another uh like max lewis candidate where it's the i caught the ball and i took three steps before i put it on the ground i got called for a travel a uh, lot of forced interior passes where it's like you know i i got all the way to the rim i see that i see the dump off man and i don't really have an angle to get it to him but i'm gonna i'm gonna try to get it to him and then it leads to a turnover i I don't know what to do with him because I, I really like these tools. So I want to bet on him. So I'm probably going to put him high, but I don't think it would shock me if he struggles this year, especially with yeah. the lack of an outside shot. And in fact, the Providence has like, like Res ball pointed out in our chat, like some real clear lead dogs, like Devin Carter, you've got Bryce Hopkins. You're bringing over Josh Aduro too, who is like really good college basketball, big man, a guy I saw in person, like guys just bounce off of, like he is a massive physical human being there might not be a huge role for him and maybe he's just like a six man this year maybe he struggles with the efficiency maybe he comes back and he's one of these guys that blows it out of the water in year two i don't think there's any outcome that's off the table but i think because what he has is so much more rare than the guys that we've talked about previously just in terms of the tools this is the type of guard i'm more excited about and willing to bet high on because I do think the reward is is pretty great because he is almost wing size, but is really good at a lot of this guard stuff still. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, Maxwell. We were talking a lot about this guy when we were kind of kind of sharing a little bit of our idea, ideas. I do like how we kind of come to these, uh, even though we like put our notes in a consolidated space. We really don't pay a lot of attention to what each other are writing until we come in here, right? So we're really learning a lot about how we feel about these guys as the, as the listeners and the viewers are as well, which is pretty fun. I agree with a lot of the same things that you were saying, but one of the things that we did talk about that I would kind of like to bring to the forefront to the, to the audience here is that I shared with you that guys that 
have the skills that he does, like even the physical tools, uh, the things that they're great at now, they typically don't come out as freshmen, which is totally mm-hmm. fine because when they do come out, they're usually like lottery level talents, mm-hmm. right? So I would be totally okay if Garway was just like a sophomore knockout as opposed to trying to evaluate him to where he has to come out this year. I think the point that Rez and and yourself have brought up about the pecking order and Rez to answer your question, like how does he stand out? I think it's pure hustle, right? Like cutting, getting reads off of guys like Hopkins and Carter, maybe even like setting screens, running some DHO actions to where the attention might be so focused on either one of those two to where you scramble break and, and you just make the most out of whatever look that you get when you're, running an action with either one of those two guys. I think that's where it comes in. Also, defensively, I think that this guy is going to be a playmaker. I think he has the potential to be a very special defender, which makes him so intriguing. But again, I don't know if he can shoot. I know that he can pass. Maxwell, he looks like he's one of these guys that standing at 6'5", like how I said with Jacoby Walter, is like the cup analogy. If 6'5 is a cup, his cup is spilling over. <laughs> he's like 6'5", yeah, 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 six yeah. five can get. Um I do like his handle. Like you mentioned, he has a nice feel for the game, man. Uh, has real keen ability to like get his teammates open. He's got all the physical tools that you could want. I just I need him to display some semblance of like me putting the ball in the hoop game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where he's going to get the most bang for his buck. And it may not be this year. I still have him in my top 60, however. I do think that uh, – forgive me for saying this, he could be a pre-draft candidate, right? I like think so. These- like I, yeah. And I know we're both not like just personally, like our draft philosophy. And if you are, we're not saying like you're wrong or you're stupid or anything. Yeah. Like that. I, I think we're both kind of not pre-draft guys in general, just because I, the way I see it, at least is that like the league tends to just move on from guys really fast. And exactly. These aren't patient and they're not, they're not as like caring with their developmental resources on like guys that are second round picks. So if like you're pre-drafting guy in the second, like the track record of those guys, guys out they really want, bad. it's really bad. And they want guys that can contribute. Now look at like the, the, the work, the piece that Kevin O'Connor did with Calvin mm-hmm. Booth, right? Like these teams, they want guys who could come in and play right away and look at what we're seeing with some of these other guys that are here today, gone tomorrow. Like Usman Garuba was the ultimate, like if he gets like an increased developmental, you know, amount of focus, this guy could be really scary. Teams aren't necessarily looking to pour all that amount of attention under these guys as much as we would like to see it happen. They're just not as quick to do it anymore. Yeah. Well, even like athletic guy. And I think to be clear, I think our way is like much better feel than these guys, but guys like Keon Johnson, or like Greg Brown, where it was like, Oh, well, like they just have these awesome physical tools. So a team is going to like really spend time to maximize them. Like I don't want to throw Kai Jones into that because that's like a, a different can of worms. But like, it's yeah. it doesn't always it like the hit rate on it's just really low. Like without a, a requisite level of like feel and basketball skill, the hit rate is really low. I do think Garway is a guy that could be worth the squeeze because it feels like it's just the shot. Like it feels <laughs> like yeah, like the playmaking needs to be refined, but like the game tends to slow down for guys, and like he just has so much to offer that if if he can shoot a pull-up jumper and knock down a shot off the catch, like it's, it's really easy. It's going to be easy for him to like get NBA minutes. Even if you don't think, okay, well, you know, he's going to have this all-star outcome or anything. Like 
there's a really clear path to him just being an effective backup, if nothing else. And I think one thing that we don't talk about enough is the scouting community is like speed of game adjustment. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, because he's a frenetic athlete, right? Like he, he, is. he runs a hundred, hundred percent or a hundred miles an hour every time. But I wonder if like how his hundred percent, how he looks compared to higher level of competition, higher level of athleticism, mm-hmm. the speed of the competition, how he handles all of that. Because I do worry about like the, the touch around the basket consistency as well too. So there's enough offensive concerns scaling up that I do think that it, it I'm not telling I'm not telling you right now in the preseason that he has no business getting drafted again. He's in my top 60, but I do definitely see um, a higher percentage of him being like a I'm going to take a year to grow accustomed to it. Maybe the second half of the season I show mm-hmm. my potential guys are mocking me in the back half of the first. I can do better than that. Let me come back for a year and be a top 10 top 10 draft pick. Like, I think that's a very viable outcome for sure. And like, I don't, I, I hate to like be like, to be fair and then give like the worst case outcome of a player. But I do think it's important. Like when we're saying like there, yeah. there are downside with prospects and like Kadari Richmond was a guy a few years mm-hmm. ago, right? He's not nearly as twitchy as, as Garway, but like he was a guy that people were like, you could pre-draft Kadari Richmond. Like that was like a, a common sentiment that like, well, he's so good at defense and he's so athletic. And like, if you're, if, even if you're that, like, even if you're, excellent excellent defensive player in your you know six foot five six foot six is a guard and like you have these real creative playmaking chops like if you can't put the ball in the basket efficiently like nba teams just really aren't interested if you're not like six seven six eight and really strong and above like if you're if you're not hitting that threshold teams just aren't as interested in in developing that now kadari's touch was like really bad like Kadari is really bad touch around the basket so I think our way is has that over him I think he's more athletic but like if that's what it looks like at the college level that's when you run into the situation where it's like all right well maybe maybe there's not as much here as we'd like but I do think there are some really high level outcomes if if the shot comes along um up next we've got we've got Mackenzie Mbako uh who is in the headlines today uh just to address it real quick the details on yeah. this are super weird and like they're not plentiful. So he was, he was arrested at Taco Bell for trespassing. It sounded like he was there. There were people there, but they were saying they were closed. There's all this stuff on Twitter about people saying that this Taco Bell always says they're closed during their what should be their operational hours. There's there's a lot going on yeah. right now. I don't really I don't really care to comment on it. I I'm, I'm under no obligation. To, <laughs> to comment on if this the arrest. worst thing that this guy yeah. has done is hold up a, a drive through at a taco. Well, I, I got to shoot. If he is staying in a Taco Bell drive through, not holding it up yeah. like, a, uh, <laughs> yeah. like for, for robbery. No, 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 no. But if he is just like hanging out in a Taco Bell drive through, I think I probably should have been arrested for trespassing at a Taco Bell parking lot, like several times in my life and just never happened. Yeah, the, the details on it are, are really sparse. And then, like, the whole thing with, like, police, like, breaking his car window, but then, like, no mention of drugs and alcohol. Like, everything about it, to me, is just odd. So I don't, I don't want to comment on it because it just feels like there's a million ways this could go. And I, yeah, I Absolutely. Um, what do you think of Mackenzie Baco as a basketball player? Oh, man. So typically, dude, he is uh, the type of guy that I think I would fall for. And I'll tell you, upon the rewatch of this film, it aged better than my first go-round with it. So I will tell you where I have him on my board right now, which is outside of my top 60. 
um, is out of date. I would probably slide him up closer to that second round frame. I know a lot of people like love him as a first round guy. I mean, he's, uh, you know, to quote uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot, he's long, strong and down to get the friction on. You know, he's not afraid of contact, <laughs> sort of seeks it out a little bit. <laughs> um, I, I like his shooting touch from a, uh, from a finishing and shooting uh, standpoint. Uh, if he's not taking it off or if he's not taking off uh, from a runway, he can kind of get deterred and get gets rejected more than I think uh, – the highlights of him doing really cool things would kind of lead you on to believe um, does make timely cuts curious if he can do much off of the bounce. I think that that's going to be interesting to see how that scales up, especially at a place like Indiana. If he's pressured, how is he going to handle that? I uh, would love to see him improve as a playmaker. I do like his tenacity and impact on the board on the boards. When locked in, I think that he can be a really solid defender. I think that he is very strong and can be like a multifaceted front court defender. Uh, I would think based off of his offensive fluidity and aggression that he would be more assertive on the defensive end, uh, and it just hasn't been there on the film to me. Um, I think that he could be ultimately, though, one of these tools versus production type of players in high school where I think you know being bought in, especially going to a place like Indiana, and I'm sure that we'll talk about this a little bit, but I think they do preach the defensive side of the ball um, at an intense level. So I think that that is going to be good for him. And again, we could talk more about the Indiana thing because I know that that was a conversation that we had yeah. as well. But I'm curious to see what your independent or individual assessment of him would be. Yeah, I like Mbako a lot. Um, okay. 6'8", 215. I like the size. And I think he's like a legit shot maker from mid-range and beyond. I, I The shot looks beautiful for how big he is. And I think he knows how to get shots too. Like, I think he's going to be a guy who's willing to screen. He knows how to move and relocate and fill spaces on the perimeter to get himself those looks. Um, I kind of like how tough he played around the basket at times too. Uh, I thought he, you know, ate up contact pretty well, played strong through it. I feel like I see a lot of stuff about him being a bad athlete and I, I don't really agree with that. I I'm kind of with you. Okay. I think he moves a little bit better than like some people like, right. Like some of the stuff I've, I've seen written about him. I'm like, Whoa, I, I'm not, I don't quite agree with that. I think especially on the basket, he gets up pretty well. I think there is like three level scoring upside at six foot eight, which is yeah. super, super valuable. Like that's, you know, not you get a three level score at six, eight, you're, you're cooking with something there. I think he sees the floor pretty well. I, I would say that, that would be like one of my worries is that if he's like a, and what else guy where like, he's just six, eight and just scoring and that's it. Like, I think he is a much more willing passer and sees the floor better than somebody like Johan Treor a year ago where it's yeah. like, wow, this guy's like really tall and can really fill it up. But, but like, he doesn't really do anything else. I think Mbaka is like ahead of a guy like that in terms of the other yeah. elements of his game. Um, defensively, I, in with you like I, I think there's times where he'll you know play a bigger guy and like hang really tough with him or he'll play against a smaller guy and he'll move his feet and he'll use his hands to get into their handle and, and things like that other times it's it's rough like he will yeah. have his hands down too much his energy will be low he'll he'll like close out very lazily he'll be snoozing off the ball sometimes he just kind of looks lost like i yeah i really don't know what to make of the defense because at times it feels like he could be capable and competent. The effort is very, very spotty to a point that I'm 
actually concerned about it, where most times, like, I really don't worry about defense too much with, with younger prospects. But he's the guy where I, I, I do worry that could be a problem just because it feels like he, he, he underachieves pretty significantly on that side of the ball. Um, I kind of like him as a, as a first-round guy um, because I do think he's capable and if he can kind of get that coached into him this year and then just display like the shot making, like it's just hard to find guys that are, are six, eight and can score like he's able to. So I think if there's some development to the passing game and the defense, like that's, that's a first round guy for me. I think the handle is what really has me concerned because I do think like the shoot, like anybody will watch this guy and tell you, yes, okay, I I agree that he can shoot. And maybe just him shooting at his size should be enough for me to be higher on him. But I just feel like the the ball in hand stuff is a little concerning to me. You already touched on the playmaking and passing, the defensive lapses. I just think that, you know, I, I want to see him bring more to the table. And I feel like there are actually quite a few guys at his size within this class that, do make it like kind of like attainable for him to be further down a board this year than than probably otherwise because there are a lot of six eight six seven six nine guys that can do a, a good variety of things with the ball in their hand and I just I have concerns and maybe this is where we get into the Indiana commitment Maxwell hmm. is Indiana has they have they done a good job of getting prospects and and, and making them better uh no <laughs> not really but i i i don't want to kill him for that too much yet because it's still a new ish yeah. regime um but i do think that's a fair question to ask like what what did jalen hood Shafino show at indiana that he didn't show in high school it's like a fair question and like granted he had some injuries and some stuff like that yeah um, I think like what Malik Renault looks like this year will be like a telling thing. Yeah. What a guy like a Trey Galloway who's been there for a couple of years, like what he looks like will, will be interesting. Um, Cause Trey Jackson Davis just got like a little bit better at everything every year, but like never made a giant leap, like never added the outside jump shot. And it's hard to know, like, is that him or is that Indiana? Well, the, um, well so the, the thing about TJD that stood out to me the most, especially coming into last year, was the leaps in playmaking that he's shown. But that wasn't an Indiana mm-hmm. thing. That was a private like trainer outside preparing for the NBA mm-hmm. draft thing that he did. That wasn't like, oh my goodness, like Indiana really yeah. wanted to like make it a point to improve his ball handling playmaking skills. That was like, I want to get into the NBA and I can't do it at the current skill set that I have. So that's all kind of like that may that's why I'm a little worried worried about Kalel Ware, who I'm sure we'll talk about in future episodes. But yeah, I'm just I don't know, man. I think the Indiana point that we had talked about before the show a couple of days ago is a is a real concern that I have with with uh, McKenzie as well. I think what will work out for him on that front is that you're going to have Kalel Ware, you're going to have Malik Renault, you're going to have Xavier Johnson, who's like an established kind of vet point guard. I, I, no Tamar Bates, though. That sucks. Yeah, no Tamar Bates stinks. I, but I think yeah. he can kind of do similar stuff. I think Ibako, if like the three carries over, and I think it will, sure. he can just sort of be tertiary and be that three-point shooter. And I, I understand your point about the handle. I think it's a good one. I agree. I don't love his handle. I don't know how much of a handle he needs to be like 
a good NBA player. Like, I think he's yeah. fine being like wonderful pull up, uh, you know, put Trey it on Murphy. very briefly just to elevate over somebody that are in. Yeah. Like yeah. way less athletic than Trey Murphy, obviously, but sure. I, I think in terms of like how he uses his handle, it's the same kind of idea. So yeah, I, I think there is a chance that even with the concerns with Indiana, he can still get over the hump um let's do our our last kind of small guard of the episode i believe uh yeah elliot cadeau uh cadeau is a reclass um who is going to north carolina he is he's been really exceptional at lower levels yeah. uh six foot one 175 pounds so very tiny um he's he is willing to get a little bit physical downhill. I, he got to the rim like a decent amount at, at link last year, but he was a very poor finisher there. Um, he's a savvy pick and roll operator. He's got some wiggle. His handle is slick. Like he yes. has a lot of ways to get himself space. And he, he sees a lot as a passer. He's just got a load of tricks to get defenders off balance. His stop start, his East West stuff. It's, it's all very good. I think he can shoot. I, he's really willing to shoot. He'll pull up from mm-hmm. NBA at times. I do worry about him scoring in the mid range because i think that's something like you really need if you're gonna be like a chris paul kind of guy is that mid-range both game he does not elevate uh very much at all in the mid-range mm-hmm. so i i don't know how he is going to get shots there at a higher level um at rim he can be creative but like i said the, the efficiency is not there defensively another guy who's just really intelligent he just reads and sees the game at a high level uh, similar to McCain, really great with his hands. And I, I think that he's just feel for the game and understanding of opposing offenses and what they're looking to do leads to him getting into a lot of passing lanes for steals because he is so short and so thin and has a hard time with screens. I worry a lot about not only who he guards, but just how exploitable he is because it's not yeah. even like, Oh, he's a mismatch guy. It's like, if you just set a pick on him anywhere on the court, he is out of the play. Um, he can get stuff at the rim. He can set up for wide angles without his vertical pop. I just, I, I worry a lot about how he scores anywhere than like behind the three point line. And I think he can really shoot. Um, I, he's one of these guys, like some people have him like top 20. I know Sam Vecini like didn't even put him on his board and was just kind of like, I think it takes these guys a while. I'm yeah. closer to that. I'm closer to like deep second round and like the feel is so nutty. Yeah. And the handle is so slick and the passing is so creative that like, I do think there's a real chance he can, he can overcome some of those barriers. I'm just not sure I want to be the guy that bets on it. Uh, so this is interesting. Another thing where I think that we're at opposite ends of the, uh, okay. of, of the spectrum here. I, and again, I've spent all episode talking about my size concerns and previous episodes yeah. and all that. I think, and again, I, I know that recent histories tells me that even though that these guys, that guys can have exceptional feel for the game and passing skills to not fall in love with them translating up, but I think Cadeau has the stuff, man, to where he could be potentially uh, someone who can buck the size concern. Um, he's high usage, traditional guard. Size is going to be the knock against him, but the feel is going to be the sell. Very good passer. Like maybe, maybe like the elite passer within this class um, can sell cross-court passes with these, uh, can look skies open, slick bounce passer, very good lob passer, 
Nash dribble along the baseline to corner kicks, like a variety of ways that he can get guys the ball. Kind of high turnover numbers, but still a two-to-one assist turnover guy. So I think it's just a, a case of like the more you have the ball, the more likely you are to turn it over type thing. Shooting numbers are favorable, albeit not on like necessarily the highest of volume. I don't mind the motion, but it is a bit towards the shoulder on the load. So maybe you can kind of like relocate the release point and work with the energy transfer a little bit there. Um, decent at the rim for high school, I would say. But curious, like you said, Maxwell, to see how that transfer is moving up. Um, I just I worry that the defense is going to be the major concern, obviously, with him, which puts all of the emphasis on his offense, which is very pass centric. So recent history shows that if you're the point guard at his size and that's your game, the NBA isn't necessarily like beating down your door to sign you. That being said, I think that he has a chance to have a real look. He is not in my first round. He is in a very early second rounder. But I think that he has a lot of the intangible aspects, a lot of the feel for the game, uh, is a good enough shooter to where it might be worth taking him with a, a pretty pretty decent draft pick this year. All right. Well, we're going to go to a break. After this, we've got a couple intriguing big men. Uh, we also have uh, Bronny James, and then we've got one of my kind of sleeper deep cut guys that I'm a big fan of. So stay tuned. we got a lot of fun stuff still right ahead. All right, so we have got uh, Aaron Bradshaw up next on the list. This is going to be a really tricky one. Seven feet tall, 215 pounds uh, at Kentucky this coming season. With Bradshaw, it appears as if there's a foot injury, I believe is is what they're saying. Yeah. So I don't know if we're going to see him much. I don't know if we're going to see him at all. Um, tricky, tricky situation. Uh, very interesting tools. Really fast end-to-end when the motor is running. Got that nice second jump. Moves really well for a guy who's as tall as he is. Knows how to protect the rim. I believe it was the McDonald's game. It was one of the all American games. I think it was the McDonald's where like he was playing hard and it was like, Oh man, like I, I totally see it. Yeah. Uh, soft touch inside has moments where even though he is as thin as he is, like he goes up stronger than you would expect him to. Um, he has a jump shot. Uh, he doesn't always take a lot of threes, but like high percentage free throw shooter can hit some tough ones in the mid range. Shot prep is really pretty. Like he looks yeah. really, really, clean moving into his jump shot um the motor doesn't always run though and there's times where he's really weak with the ball the offensive awareness i i put is is shaky and there's times where he'll make some really bad passing decisions or he'll force something that he absolutely shouldn't force and then defensively because he's so thin he fouls around the basket a lot he caves at his chest really easily when guys drive into him I feel like this is a type of player that is, is theoretically really, really valuable. Um, Bradshaw's a guy I have a hard time putting down because I feel like a, every year we have a new guy where it's like, this is going to be the three and D big. And like yeah. if the motor isn't there. It's just really hard. Like there's aren't a lot of centers in the NBA that don't play hard all the time and still have good careers. And so many bigs come into college with a bad motor. <laughs> like that a lot of these, it's it's just kind of something that you learn over time. So it's not like a reason to just say, Hey, this guy's not going to do it. I, I feel like he's probably too low on my board. I think I had him somewhere in the second. 
the foot injury scares me though. So it's just going to yeah. be a lot of like, what is actually going on with this foot? How serious is it? And then do we get to see him on the court at all this year? Um, I, I'm confused by him. If somebody with multiple first takes him in the first, I think that's a, a good, a good value play. Um, I'd probably do that. If I was seeing that I'm multiple first, I, I'd, I'd love to get him to back into the first round. Uh, where are you at with that uh, with Bradshaw? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously long big Ben has some nice touch around the rim, showing the ability to be a, a, a really nasty finisher. Uh, doesn't move as fluid as you would think since he is a little bit more slim, but I think that if he's not going to be fluid, he's got the frame that will obviously, I think, su- uh, support some more mass there. Um, not contact adverse, but in, is impacted by contact, I think, more frequently than I would like to see. Um, strength will help with that as he fills out his frame. Shows a willingness to be a stretch big. He has a nice shot, good touch indications. Has already shown the willingness to put the ball up, which is something that you have to have. Can be a little bit of a ball stopper. Uh, yeah. Does the catch and survey, which I don't like as a big man. Like catch at least two dribble handoff, uh, dive to the rim, something. I don't like the catch and look around uh, aspect of his game. Good rebounder. I think, you know, again, strength can be even better. More stocks than fouls committed, which I don't know if that's an indication of skill or his commitment or competition, but it's still an interesting data point when looking at the resume. I also kind of wonder, like, does did DJ Wagner benefit him more than high school or is it the other way around? They're both going to Kentucky. So that's going to be an interesting thing to monitor moving forward. The injury with a big kind of scares me a little bit if this already happening, but I don't know. I also feel pretty confident about Kyle Filipowski. So I don't know why I would be less confident in a guy like this. So I don't know, man. I just, I think I'm low on the skill set right now coming in. I'm low on the the size coming in as far as like weight. Um, But that being said, I still think that he's got a lot of promise and potential uh, to continue to get better. So like you, I have him kind of in the top half of my second round. Um, Just a bummer, man, because Kentucky has just had these guys where will they, won't they, like all offseason, and it's just kind of been a drag um, in anticipation for watching our number one draft prospect coming into the year, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so up next, we have another big man who's also kind of in that mystery man category, but for different reasons. While Bradshaw was kind of always front and center and playing at, you know, a, a big high school program, EYB, whatever. Xavier Brooker is like the opposite. Like there's just not a ton out there on him. He, six foot ten. He's going to be at Michigan State next year. Um, tall, fluid, agile. Another one of these guys who can shoot the ball, uh, got a high release point. Uh, is he also a lefty too? Yep. In my notes, another lefty shooter, even though it was big man, we have even more lefties. Yeah. A lot of those this year. Um, shooting motion at times, like on the misses and the pull-up in particular, he has that kind of like quick pullback, like Corey, Corey calls it the snake bite motion. Yeah. Where it's just like, he really back a little too quickly. Want to see that swan, hold that exaggerated yeah. swan. Like it's, Get that gooseneck. Your second grade YMCA team coach. Exactly. Taking you through it. Um, I think he can, he can make some nice passes at times too. So I I think that you're talking about a guy who is six foot 10 can really get up, can like a high, big catch radius, like could be a lob finisher, can stretch the Mm -hmm. floor, maybe can orchestrate some stuff from, from the top of the key. 
I'm really intrigued with Xavier Booker. Um, I also think just like defensively, he's going to be a guy that can, you know, switch and, and be fine. I totally trust him in those situations because of how he moves and his instincts. I like him as a rim protector with his, his length, how well he gets up off the floor. Um, again, instincts are, are there in that sense too. He knows when to, to rotate around the rim and turn guys away. I don't know how much I like the Michigan state school choice for like any prospect. Cause it just feels like, some guys like don't get better there at all. And then like some guys are AJ Hogard where it's like, Oh, he's like taking more threes and making them. And like same with free throws every single year, but it's just like, yeah, guys don't play sometimes like Izzo has his guys and he plays them a lot. And if Xavier Booker doesn't fit into that, I don't know how that's going to work out, but they've got Maddie Sissoko. I do think you could play the two of them together, but this is just such that's an gonna be old team that, mm-hmm. Ah, it's it's going to be tough for Izzo to say I'm going to throw this freshman out there. I I worry about that with Savior Booker, mm-hmm. but I I'm really intrigued with the raw tools. I think I think there's a real argument for him over um, Bradshaw just because I think the motor is better and I think the feel is better. That while he might not have like that same kind of pedigree, I, I think there's a, a I almost feel better about Booker. It's funny, like the more I'm thinking about it, the more I agree with you, but I do have Bradshaw ranked ahead of Booker, and mm-hmm. I think it is going to be the opportunity cost, right? And maybe reevaluating that with uh, the injury to um, – uh, I'm blanking, Bradshaw. Um, mm-hmm. With the injury to Bradshaw, maybe Booker is the guy that should should be up higher. But like you mentioned, man, another lefty shooter, stretch big. Like Bradshaw does need to fill out his frame like the touch around the rim. And I do have in my notes also a second solid jump, which is really encouraging to see for a player of his size at, at his position. Um, some interesting positional ball handling is also in my notes. So again, was glad to see that with you. Um, I trust his verticality a lot. I think that it's going to be uh, very good for him there. Um, shows good defensive flashes, uh, decent instincts, needs to be more consistent on that end. And that might be what kind of holds him back with the the Spartans a little bit. That and the fact that they always seem like they're wanting to win a national championship, which nothing wrong with that. But like you mentioned, I was curious to see if you would touch on it. But the, the Sissoko-Booker duo tandem pecking order mm-hmm. maybe like a is it is it going to be a tandem or is it going to be like a clint capella on yucko kongwu type thing but in college basketball mm-hmm. you know it's uh it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic works but i do like booker i think there are some very interesting tools that he has uh on both sides of the ball but i'm just curious about the opportunity play for him at michigan state for sure another guy that has these kind of similar concerns as far as opportunity is Kind of my my sleeper guy that I shoehorned in here, Taylor Bull, uh, Bull Bowen at Florida State. Yeah. 6'8", 210, uh, big and long and real comfortable behind the arc. Another guy who's you know, you know, going to move and replace on the perimeter, got a good stroke. He has a little bit of passing feel to him where there are like moments where they could pass. And I'm like, all right, you're, you're starting to put some things together. Uh, really flies for blocks. I like his defensive instincts. He's one of those guys who's like, that modern forward that's going to provide some some weak side rim protection. He's going to do well against smaller players. I think the the issues are first off the handle, like really lacks a lot of polish. He's one of those guys that will put the ball on the floor and, and go nowhere with it. I don't love the decision making and, and processing when he puts it on the floor. It feels like I'm I'm trying to get to the shot. 
or I'm just dribbling to dribble. Like that kind of yeah. stuff really has to clean up. But I think it's six eight. He's a good athlete with really good physical tools that has that kind of three and D profile. He's also going to run into what I call the Florida State conundrum, which is that Florida yep. State every year somehow has 15 guys that all play 22.3 <laughs> minutes per game. Like it's just, <laughs> they're so well coached and like it guys do get better there. And like yep. the, everyone on that team is interesting. They've got like a bunch of guys that I'm like, I, there's like a top 100 argument for that guy. And like, that's it. Sure. Like, that's just what their team is now. So Taylor Bowen, I kind of like is a guy who I think could, could have a huge year and sneak in there. I just don't know that he's like going to play very much it. And the feel is like a real issue. Like it's, it's, it's behind where a guy like Taylor Hendricks was coming into the year. Yeah. And given that he's a little bit smaller, maybe that will, will be an issue, but I think there's some things to like athletically and the shot and with the defense. So any, any thoughts on uh bull Bowen? Yeah. So in my notes, it's funny that I like how you put the Florida state conundrum because further down my notes, it says that he is the uh, typical Florida state player that has offensive limitations can do a multiple, uh, you know, multitude of things on defense and will play 12 minutes a game. You know, like he's gonna be, <laughs> yeah. he's he's gonna fit that mold to a T. It's absolutely huge, though, man. He's lower on my board than where you have him. Um, I, I do like him as a long-term play, though. I think that mm -hmm. he has a lot of intriguing tools. I like his off-ball feel. I do not like the ball handling and decision making nope. of where it is right now. Um, will be a nightmare for anyone though that he is assigned to defensively. I think that, you know, again, he's going to be a multi-year guy, but um, he's a freshman that a lot of people should be aware of, man, because he could be a, uh, you know, at the last month of the season, he averaged XXXXX type of guy, right? So mm -hmm. he could be one of these guys to where we talked about it earlier with Garway that come sophomore year, like he might be primed for a very big role. But if we're going to be fair – if we're comparing how Indiana is with prospects like Florida state, I think does have a longer track record of producing guys like Patrick Williams mm -hmm. and Dem Vassell, Some of these guys that are getting Scotty contracts, Barnes, yeah, Scotty Barnes, but there's also the, Hey, Matthew Cleveland was uh, supposed to be a first round pick and now he is playing for Miami guy. Right. So Galen Worley um, was another one where it was like highly touted recruit came in. Yeah. And just like, so yeah, but that's the thing. Guy. That's the thing is like you're all these dudes are committing to this one university and they're either going to the NBA or they're transferring somewhere else. You know, like it's a I don't know. He's he's a very interesting guy. I'm glad that you threw his name here in the mix uh, again. Uh, long term play for me, but I definitely see the vision with it. Uh, so last guy we're going to go kind of in depth on. It's a guy that I had really high and I kind of bumped him down and then I mm -hmm. went back into the film and i am bumping it back up i'm like i i i love this guy it's Bronny yeah. james um six four two ten again like if you're gonna be a guard like ronnie's ronnie's got the body that you want to see in a modern guard he's really smart he's really savvy i like how he sees the game he's creative and steady doesn't fold against heavy pressure i think he knows how to toy with the second level guy in a ball screen and i think he can really shoot it i, I he can really shoot it off the catch I think he's going to bring legit off-ball gravity and just offensive optionality to an NBA team in a backcourt. Can relocate and drain from NBA. Willing pull-up guy. The results aren't there yet on his pull-up shot, but given the improvements we've seen as a shooter from him, I do 
think he's going to get there. Um, yeah. Defensively, he's a handful. Like he mm-hmm. works really hard. Excellent screen navigation. The fundamentals are outstanding. Again, stout frame. Here's my Bronny take. I feel okay. like with Bronny, because he is very clearly not LeBron James, you always hear, like, well, he's, he's pretty average athletic, average athlete or whatever. I think he's way more athletic than he gets credit for, particularly like how he jumps off of two feet. Like he is so potent off of two feet. I'm like yeah. trying not to use, not, not to use swear words. Um, I, that guy flies. He really yeah. gets up off of two feet and had like really big block numbers. Any, anywhere I looked, I think Bronny is like exactly what I want in a modern point guard. And I think having sure. that like pro pedigree, those resources, I, I get the health stuff, whatever. If he's playing, I imagine that's the best decision that it's going to be fine. Um, so I'm not really taking that into account. I like Bronny James as a basketball player a, a lot. Um, and I would say he might be my favorite of the guards that we talked about other than, yeah, I, I think he's, I think he is both the safest and maybe the most talented of, of the guards we've talked about today. I think that he probably, I, I do like the safest, but again, he is in my early second. This is where a lot of, if you've been listening and paying attention, a lot of these smaller guards reside in my early second because I want to see them prove their way up. And you mentioned the athleticism. I think that Bronny is uh, definitely more of like your your power athletic guard as opposed to like the uh, electric, flashy, dazzling, like crazy leaper guy like uh, like Gunnaman Thompson. But he's very strong. Um, I think if you ignore the name on the jersey and you watched him, you would still be impressed with him as a basketball player, right? A very strong, very smooth combo guard, good core awareness, makes the right plays, good shooting stroke, can hit from deep range. Shot very well from deep against the City Reapers at OTE last year against the Thompson Twins. Was a very good shooter in that game. Good defender. I like his footwork. The strength, again, you know, looks good there. Worry about the versatility, though. I don't know if he can do anything other than be just like a really good backcourt defender, which still has good value, right? It's just not the uh, the one through four defender that everybody claims that they're going to be, right? Um It'll be interesting to monitor his play with a good USC backcourt, though, because, you know, with guys like Boogie there, uh, Kobe Johnson's going to be handling the ball. You know, there's some, there's some good talent on this USC team. I think that Bronny will play. Obviously, I don't think that he commits to USC if he doesn't expect to play. But is I'm going to be curious to see what his role is there. I think that he can be very good in a complementary role, but I do think that he's got some juice to his game on the offensive side of the ball to where – You'll probably see some really strong offensive outings from him at USC. So um, the health factor is there. I think that we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that, considering the uh, the cardiac scare that he had. But that being clear, him playing early, I think that he will um, he'll turn a lot of heads, dude. I think that he's an NBA talent easily. Yep. Um, so the the question that you wanted to bring up, and I thought this is an interesting point because you've done some research on his past drafts and trends and things like that so i'll kind of let you get into get into that yeah so the biggest thing um and you called back to one of the pieces that i that i wrote earlier on in the year was like uh shiny new toys and more kind of like looking for you know different at like categories in the draft over the past six draft classes um seeing what has been trending and i was really wanted to dive into it in particular this year because this draft class is under fire it's kind of reminiscent of the 2020 class 
which we've already talked about a little bit at the beginning of this year, comparing the two. Um, but the average number of freshmen that have been drafted in the first round over the past six draft classes have been about 13 freshmen, like give or take, obviously, but on average, it's about 13 freshmen. I have two questions for you, Maxwell. First off, how many freshmen do you have projected to be selected in the first round coming into this year? I have 12 currently. Okay, so that's below average. I have 10. Yeah. Okay. Right, so follow-up question. Do you think, because both of us obviously have a lower number than the average, do you think that that has a, kind of like a, a significant factor into why this draft class has been under fire as to the talent level of it? Because usually new is better, less yeah. new, less good type type thing going on here. I think that's a big part of it. I, I think the other part of it too is that um, I think maybe that number for me is also a little bit lower because we're not including guys like a um, like some of the Ignite guys are technically like not freshmen or whatever. So maybe yeah. like, I, I will say I think the big difference is that yeah, there doesn't feel like there's going to be a guy that everyone's looking forward to watching in college basketball coming out of the gate, which was true last year also, but there's not, you know, a Victor and a scoop yeah. this year either. Um, I think that is a part of it. I think the other thing is that there's just less consensus around who the, who the freshmen are. Like our freshmen yeah. are probably a lot different than most people's freshmen. They're mocking in the first round. And I, I also think the last thing is that, usually it feels like the mocks are so freshman heavy out of the gate. And yeah. so I was like, well, it doesn't, doesn't really turn out that way. And it's like, yeah, but I got to have this guy first round. I got to have this guy first round. And like everyone's mocks have like 25 freshmen in the first round. So I do think it's telling to an extent that like we're starting off the year being like uh, 12 of them, 12 of them. Maybe. <laughs> Normally it's like there's 20 freshmen mocked in the first round. So I think at this point in the cycle, it's a, it's a little disappointing to see that that few in a mock. Yeah, and it's really interesting that you brought up the point that you did, that normally uh, places are mocking so many freshmen within the first round. Last year, that was true, and the average remained about the same, um, even mm -hmm. take like scaling it down to this year compared to last year. Obviously, like a class is brought in and a class falls out, right? But even last year, the number was around 13, and we saw that so many places had above average number of freshmen being taken in the first round. And that's why it's called an average, right? Some years are going to have more, more freshmen in it. But it's funny that this year, how many outlets are right around that 13 number mm -hmm. at the beginning of the season. So yeah. I think that it is a real sobering look. And like you said, it's going to make for a great evaluation this year. A lot of places are going to have to earn their paycheck this year, looking and seeing like, who they like, who grows, who stands out, and again, who they who they kind of touted as a the the guys coming into the year and how that scales out throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I think that's going to be really interesting. The last thing I want to throw at you real quick is just like who are some other freshmen that you could see kind of crashing the party? I, I know we're both a big Cohen Carr guy. Oh man, uh, yeah, Cohen Carr is someone that we have. We've got we got somebody cooking up some Cohen Carr stuff behind the scenes, but he's just like. He's like my kind of like pre-draft guy in this class. Mm -hmm. right? I feel like if he plays and he's okay, I would want to draft him just because there's so yeah. many guys that like can't do the things he can do physically. And I think he has some passing feel too that like if he can, he can shoot, if yeah, that thing is like if the shot looks okay at Michigan State, it's going to be hard for me to not want to just draft him. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah. Do you have other other like, freshmen that you've been like, ooh, this guy's kind of interesting? Brandon Garrison is my other one from Oklahoma State. Where like, <laughs> I feel like he could be like a better Oso Iguodaro, which maybe that's a little ambitious. But I feel like he's in that same mold. But I feel like I like how he moves a little bit better. Um, I think there's probably a better chance he ends up shooting it because he's he's on the younger side. But he's he's a guy that I think is going to play right away and could maybe surprise some people. Yeah, so um, real quick on Cohen, I actually have him 20th on my board. I think that one thing that okay. um, I think one thing that we are already seeing with the Thompson twins is like elite athleticism is kind of back in how it translates into the mm-hmm. NBA. Um, and and Cohen, I think, is gonna be like a like a top one percent athlete in this class. Like it's it's already out there. Like the I had him 20 before the dunk came out that like kind of circulated Twitter X or whatever. He's done and, that uh, dunk I, before though too. Yeah. It's the I mean we're talking like double pump clutch from the free throw line off of one foot. Like it's it's insane. He's been in dunk contests, but the thing that stands out to me about him is like the willingness to cut. The he's another lefty, but um also even though the shot isn't the most beautiful, it goes in. So he has like kind of scary feel for the game already for someone as young as he is with the athleticism that he has i'll give you two freshmen though that i kind of that i kind of like one of them i've interviewed and i'm going to have work come out um not this upcoming tuesday but the following Jaden ross from yukon really big fan of him late growth spurt guy and this year type of guy maxwell where he started his you know his high school career at five foot eight and is now six foot seven um so he has kind of that, that guard skill set and a very good shooter and then kind of like jaron stevenson uh alabama a lot for kind of he's kind of like my Taylor Bowl Bowen. Uh, but for me, I like Jaron a lot. I think he is a multifaceted defender, kind of sneaky, a uh, good offensive game. There's some other freshmen, but I'll, I'll I'll throw those two out there. Yeah, I think on the guard front, there it feels like there's a lot. Like I feel like Miles Colvin has become like a, a hot name. Yeah, um, he's the guy I've I saw in person, and like it was it was like the slipperiest court I've ever seen. I know a lot of people are like, oh yeah, the courts get slippery sometimes. Hey, you can do that. They, they could have played this game on an ice rink. It would have been any different. It was the worst court I've ever seen a game played on. And I thought he still looked really impressive. Um, Deshaun Harris Smith, yeah. Maryland, all Maryland's guards. I like a lot, but I think he's the one that I think is kind of most poised. Cause he's got the size he can shoot. And the feel is really good. Um, oh, there was one other guard that I was thinking about the other day that I was like, that guy actually has a shot. Well, I'm pulling my board up now. now because now I'm interested <laughs> to see who else I have. No, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Um, who else? Let me see. Let's let's do some bad podcasting and have some dead space. Yeah. Oh, Michael Bell, a uh, guy that you. Uh, oh, we love Michael Bell. Yeah, yeah. Michael Bell is going to be at VC. I like Michael like Bell. A, yeah, he was. He played in a spa. The numbers were similar to Kula Belly. I, I so I heard that he looked pretty good in one of their scrimmages the other day. I'm. I'm putting him top 60. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it. I don't, I don't care. Oh, boy. He's, yeah, he's in my top 60. You get guys, yeah, you get guys that are that big that can just make plays like that. I'm I'm buying. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, Who else do I like? Oh, the, the Buleys from Chicago State. I'm kind of like sneaky, curious to see what they look like. Uh, that's going to be a fun I, squad. Not a, I think that, <laughs> that was – there was a, a big debate on like one of the – like I, I got, I'm a big list user on Twitter and a lot of my favorite, like 
college basketball, like mid-major sicko accounts were all debating like how many games did Chicago State have to win to make the NCAA tournament. And it was <laughs> it was so fun. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm lower on the Buleys just because I don't think they can shoot at all. But I think like for the kind of teams that Chicago State will be playing for the most part, they're going to be so athletic that like they're going to overwhelm people. Like they're going to be really good college players. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I think that does it. So let's talk about what we have coming out this week. So I'm going to do mine first because Steven's got a big yeah. one. So I want to I want to save Steven's because what Steven cooked up is awesome. Uh. So I got a piece coming out. Uh. It'll be out by the time you're listening to this. On um sophomores who could step up so like you got guys like terrence arson ryan dunn that are on these mock drafts uh Ooh, we're like really anticipating big years from them that like aren't you know they didn't have the biggest freshman seasons but people think leap is coming me being the sicko that i am i took it a little bit different of a direction like guys that had those like kind of quiet sophomore years but were highly touted that i think could explode that nobody's really predicting to explode <laughs> so uh I, I wrote about guys like uh terrace reed javon porter roddy G- Gale, Rylan Griffin, and Dylan Andrews are the five that I kind of settled on for the column. I had a really fun time with it. Two of those guys are top 60 for me. So go check that yeah. out. Find out who those guys are. Uh, and then we will, uh, yeah, yeah. So that, that's a fun one. But Steven, I am so excited for your stuff this week. Let people know what you've got cooking. I can't gloss over Javon Porter top 60. We're going to have to talk about that. Oh, he's I'm not. Really no, curious. no, no. I said two of those guys are top 60. Oh, Javon, I thought you Javon said Porter. all of them. I was like, right. whoa. Now it sounds like I'm really dumping on Javon Porter. Javon <laughs> Porter is not top 60 for me. Javon Porter okay. is not. Yeah, I went in order of how I wrote the column. But yeah, gotcha. Javon Porter is not in my top 60. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm glad that I, because that's what I heard. Hopefully, if someone else heard that, we got the clarification there. Um, so yeah, a really big interview piece coming out um, this upcoming Tuesday. Um, and there will be like an accompany like um, video interview that's going to come out as well. I was able to get some time with uh, Trent Flowers of the Adelaide 36ers. Um, shout out to Liam Santa Maria for being so gracious after we interviewed him. And Maxwell, just real quick, that was probably my favorite thing that I've ever done it's since so entering good. Detroit. I, yeah, that yeah, it sorry. was it was just incredible. No, 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 no. It was good. Like we're both just like uh-huh. fawning over how awesome it was. We even was, talked about it the other day. Yeah, it was just such a cool experience. And I think it's a really important piece. Like there's not yeah. a lot of I don't know. Like we get to do a lot of cool things with no ceilings, but there are very few things that I like more than when I did something. I was like, oh, I felt like that was important. Like I, I think it's important to take a look at how the NBL is functioning yeah. and like what they're doing because it's only going to keep growing and becoming more prominent. So if you haven't listened to or watched the interview that we did with Liam Santa Maria, I think you owe it to yourself to do so because I think it's it's really critical to understand, like we said, how the sausage is made as far as what's going yeah. on in the NBL. It's already made me a better evaluator and like things to consider when I'm watching these guys. And it actually helped me for my Trenton Flowers piece that I'm writing, which is going to be kind of, it's going to be different. It's going to be like strictly interview style. Normally the way I've done these, it's like going to be interview and then a film breakdown. I'm going to kind of get the film breakdown later with Trenton um, because I think that, you know, might be able to do some more stuff with him down the line. But in the interview piece, I'm really talking about like, he was very, um, very honest you know he he is very clear that the season hasn't started the way that maybe he wanted wanted it to but in talking with him and the prior examples of nbl players that have come through and kind of the example that they have laid the groundwork they had laid and what he wanted you know one of the things that he talked about because he was supposed to play in college 
ended up playing in the NBL. The thing that he has always harped on, he did this before even talking with me, is that he wanted to get that decision correct, you know, because you only get to make your first decision one time. So when when talking with him about the NBL, his decision to do that, I was able to talk to him after that big uh, performance that he had where he was five of five from three, caught fire in the fourth quarter. We talked about all of that, how big of an uplift that was for him. And in this piece, I'm obviously going to be including excerpts from that interview, but also kind of talking about how how hard it is to succeed, especially early in the NBL. And again, talking with Liam shed some light on that. Talking with Trenton has even magnified the intensity of that light. And if you look at some of the guys who were drafted through the NBL, like a Ushma Jane, like a Josh Giddy, you know, some of these guys, it took them several games before they got comfortable playing a completely different style of basketball that is the NBL and what we can expect moving forward from a guy like Trenton. So that piece is going to be there. It's also going to include some, you know, uh, I was I actually talked to um, a, a guy from the OTE, um, Adam Omadouche, who is going to be a class of 2026 guy. He's going to be kind of my mouthpiece for my weekend that I had at OTE. So talking with him in terms of preparations for the weekend and the teams that they place and some quick hits on some of the players is going to be on the back end of that interview piece. So jam-packed Tuesday for me. Really excited about it. And uh, really looking forward to seeing what everybody thinks about it. For sure. All right. Well, thank you so much all for joining us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're following Twitter. Uh, uh, Steven on Twitter slash X at Stephen G Hoops. I'm on Twitter at Boundboards. And make sure you're subscribed to No Slings NBA. Uh, the Substack, NoSlingsNBA.com. We got a big announcement coming out very soon. More announcements. Yes, we've got more announcements. We got some really big things yes. cooking. Um, make sure you're following at No Slings NBA on Twitter. And make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. So make sure you're following us everywhere. We appreciate you guys joining us. Sickos, have a great rest of your night. Much love, y'all.